Everyone, welcome to another awesome day with a struggle. I'm Sean Lee. I'm James Park. We're here to discuss the reality of daily struggles and how it's a constant no matter where we are on our journey. Join us for honest conversations as we navigate life, business, and career challenges. Learn how to accept the struggles and how it's all about the mindset. This week, we talk a lot about guilt and how potentially to live a more guilt-free life because guilt is such a socially constructed concept. Enjoy the episode. Episode 41. I'm James. This is Sean. Welcome to Startup Struggles. Thanks for letting us into your ear. We always appreciate it. 41 weeks. Yep. Yep. It's crazy. How's your week, James? It's all right. It's been okay. What are some of your biggest struggles this week? It's just sticking to the the sales grind and trying to keep motivated on weeks where I don't do as well. So, you know, as an inside salesperson, my job is to set meetings for my directors. And we have a a goal to reach nine a week. I've never gotten to nine. I've actually never been higher than five, but my low is one. So last week I had one meeting set and that was it. I think the hardest part about this job is going through the ups and downs. And maybe that's that's very similar to life. You'll have good weeks, you'll have bad weeks, but it's not what you do on the good weeks, but it's more what you do on the bad weeks. Yeah. How you stick with your process, stick with the same kind of good habits that you've, you're setting and trying to set yourself up for success. And it's not always going to look like a straight, growing, linear line. It's always going to be curvy with the ups and downs. And you just got to get through the downs just as once you got to get through the ups. Yeah. And also, you know, this whole idea of a week is quite arbitrary because if you're looking at the lens of what is my progress on a week-to-week basis versus a month-to-month basis or even whatever, 55-day basis, however you carve up the days of the year or, or the month, it's a different measuring stick. And perspective is something that I... Actually, like I want to write a book about perspectives someday or like produce a movie or something or a TV show about perspectives. Because perspectives to me is something that I've been just wrestling with for the past, I think, five or six years at least. Whenever I get stuck in something or, you know, held back mentally about something, I, I just really try hard to find a different perspective. And what this kind of builds into is a quote that I got this week from an email newsletter from Sakuru. And the quote says, guilt is a socially cultivated emotion, a poison directed towards yourself. And couldn't have come at a better time because to what you're just talking about, for some people, they feel guilty, right? That they like underperformed. Yeah. For me, there's a lot of guilt in just living my life, taking care of myself, doing things for me, like going golfing, for example. And this guilt really held me back back. Instead of like being helpful, right? I think guilt has its purpose, but this quote really shook me up in that it's like, it's not a natural instinct to feel guilty. I don't know if animals feel guilty. Like fear, yes, right? That's like an instinctive thing. It protects you. But guilt, does it have a place in nature or is it really like a societal construct, a human construct, I should say? I like that. Yeah, that's true. A child never feels guilty until you know, until they're scolded. Yeah, they're taught. They're taught to feel bad about 
doing something wrong. But then the question is, is feeling guilt a negative thing? Not necessarily negative, but it has its roles, right? Like sometimes you should feel guilty for doing something wrong. When you put it like that, that's what I was trying to think of was what is the benefit of feeling guilty? And I was trying to run through the scenarios like I feel guilty if I don't do something, don't do my homework. I feel guilty if I'm not like doing my job or not being present. Being responsible. Yeah, being responsible. But then I thought further about that. I thought, you know, maybe that's tied more towards like consequences, right? And fear. And the base layer of guilt is actually fear. It all goes down to fear. Like fear of rejection, fear of consequences, fear of reprimand, fear of just anything, you know, negative stuff. It's almost like a precursor to fear. So it's like guilt is like a a self-check. Like I'm checking myself before someone else catches me or someone else like judges me because guilt is all internal. Nobody else can, I don't think anybody else can really make you feel guilty. They can try to, but it still stems internally. I'd be like, hey, James, you should feel guilty that your your plant isn't watered. And it's just like, fuck you, Sean, I don't care. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's internally generated. It's interesting because it's not a base layer instinct. It's not an animal instinct to feel guilt. Fear is, like I said, that's the base layer. Guilt is not. So to this quote, actually, I was like, wow, guilt is not an instinctive feeling or emotion. This quote says, socially cultivated emotion, a poison directed towards yourself. It's a poison that you choose to take. And ideally, you take this poison or this this lesson so that you prevent yourself from doing something that then you will be judged for. And even judgment and all this stuff, consequences, all these things, these are still external forces. There are things that like other people think about you or may perceive about you. But Going back to you know all the books we've read, what's interesting is a lot of these judgments are even made up. We think people are going to think this way about this. We think people are going to judge us this way. And so it's just this vicious cycle of like, all right, I'm going to create more guilt to prevent that, which may or may not exist even. And so the more I thought about it, I was like, this is such a, my opinion, such a useless feeling. I'll give you some practical examples. I personally think a lot of this, I don't know if it's a generational thing. I don't know if it's like because, you know, we are the kids of immigrant parents. But one thing I was having a, I was struggling on with this week and I was having a, a conversation with Mink about is feeling guilty as parents, the guilt of parenthood, the many guilts of parenthood, I should say. One of which is, am I spending enough time with my kids? Like many, any parent, I'm pretty sure in the world has experienced this. if not on like a daily basis. And it can be a very destructive thing. I think it actually is a destructive thing when we feel this guilt because then it prevents us from doing things that are good for ourselves. So for example, I might feel guilty for not being home enough because I might be out doing stuff that I enjoy, going to the gym, golfing, whatever it is. Then if I really buy into that guilt, then I'll stop taking care of myself. I'll stop attending to my own personal mental health, physical health, well-being. And then I don't think I could be fully present. I feel like when I come back from golf, I'm fully present, regardless of the outcome. Like I am fully present, do what I need to do. Like I take care of all my responsibilities. And I feel like I'm actually more present versus when I'm not taking care of myself. I'm just, I'm not only not present, but I'm, I feel like I'm an additional burden (laughs) because now I'm like not feeling good. And now I feel like I'm an additional burden to other people. So instead of even being helpful, 
I'm an additional burden. And that's where I feel like guilt typically leads me down, is that path. Not taking care of myself and then becoming a burden to other people instead of being helpful. And I, I think a lot of this stems from, again, our parents' generation, where they made a lot of sacrifices for us as immigrants. And we kind of, at least Mink and I, I feel like, kind of carried that torch without even thinking about it. It's like, oh, we should sacrifice our lives for our kids. And nobody stopped to question, should we? Right? I'm not saying neglect our kids. I'm saying like, it's a very extreme statement. Like, I need to sacrifice my life for my kids. And by that, I mean like, forego everything that I enjoy doing so that I can spend 24-7 with my kids. In theory, that sounds cool, right? Your kids, well, the kids get your attention 24-7, but is it good attention? Are you happy? Are you present? And these are things that like, such a statement like that, that sounds fantastic for like a, a tiger mom, in my opinion, actually can cause a lot of service because then leads to other problems. Like as an individual, you're not happy or fulfilled. As a couple, you're not happy. As a parent, you're not happy. So it's just like, no, maybe you shouldn't sacrifice yourself. Maybe you should take care of yourself so that you can be a more fulfilled individual for others around you. At the same time, maybe when it's worded as, I am sacrificing myself for you, there's a set expectation that they should do something back in return. Mm, that's a great point. And maybe that's what causes a lot of unhealthy relationships when one person, one person in the party believes that they are doing something in sacrifice of the other and the other doesn't reciprocate. So it causes some misconceptions between the, the partners. That's very true. Do you think that sometimes guilt, for example, you use the example of parents feeling guilty because they do not spend as much time with their children as they want to. So they spend more time out of guilt. They make more time. It might may not even be that they want to. It may be what I think society expects them to or what the people around you expect. I think that's what I'm saying about this quote is guilt is a socially cultivated emotion. The key word there is socially cultivated. Like you wouldn't feel guilty unless people around you were making you feel like you should feel guilty. Okay, I understand that. Right? If you and I like moved off into like and built a cabin in the woods and we just lived, you know, off the grid, what would you feel guilty about? I'm trying to even imagine. I don't think I would feel guilty about much in my life. You mean if you're just totally alone? Yeah. Having no social responsibilities. Oh no, you didn't water the plants today. <laughs> like, what would you feel guilty about? It doesn't mean I wouldn't have fear. I'd be like, okay, well, I need to patch the roof so that like I can weather the storm or whatever. But I just don't see what I would have guilt about. Hmm. So is, is guilt driven by what the fear of what other people think of you? Yes, I think so. You should have looked up the definition of guilt. Define guilt. The fact of having committed a specific or implied offense or crime. That's the noun. The verb, the definition is make someone feel guilty, especially in order to induce them to do something. Hmm. That's so true. Yeah, it's, it's a very socially constructed emotion. And it has its purpose in society, but I think a lot of times we turn this into an internal thing. Like we just self-regulate. We try to self-regulate and, and we create a lot of unnecessary guilt for ourselves that nobody else is pressing on you. I'll give you another example, actually more related to family is that, you know, we have four grandparents helping us with the kids right now. My parents are here temporarily. And because my parents are here, I initially, I felt guilty about them having to take care of Mila for so long. 
during the day. That's my perspective. I created this, this thing, this guilt. Nobody was like, hey, Sean, why are you like having us watch Mila for so long? Because if they said that, I'd be like, oh, I can watch her. Don't worry. But from their perspective, it was completely different, right? Their perspective was like, oh, I'm, we're only here for two months. Like, we want to spend as much time with this baby as possible. From my perspective, it was like, oh, am I burdening them too much? Am I like pushing off my responsibility as his father? And the reality is it's completely different for both sides. And maybe it's guilt is about these made up emotions in our head. Yeah. You're feeling guilty because you're imagining what other people might be thinking about you. Or I'm imagining how like in this specific scenario, just to kind of put it concretely, I'm imagining how my parents might, I don't know, use it against me someday and be like, you know, we spent so much time with your kids and you just went off golfing. But you see that that's like, I'm making up these stories. And again, I think by me making up these stories, I had to catch myself. It's like, it's counterproductive. What is a reality in terms of loving what is? The reality of loving what is, is my parents love spending time with Mila. They like fight to like hold her. It's like, it's my turn to hold her, you know? <laughs> it's like, they can't spend enough time with her. That's one reality. And I need to take care of myself. That's the other reality. I need to do stuff that keeps me healthy and it's totally okay. I mean, I'm thinking about when we use guilty the most or where I hear it the most often is in court, guilty or not guilty. It's like a, a plea. Maybe it's more about, did you commit the crime or not? Yes or no, true or false. It makes sense when you say, oh, someone is guilty of this crime. But I'm just thinking more along the lines of just for ourselves, when we feel guilty about something, it's not necessarily we did something wrong. What you're saying is it could totally be a misconception on, on something we might we make up, our perception of things. I honestly think, for me at least, like 99% of the guilt that I feel in my life doesn't need to exist. It just doesn't. You know, it's something that's passed down generationally, in my opinion. And it's doing more harm than good. That's all I can say. Like that. Maybe a big part of guilt is also, maybe it's also somewhat tied into procrastination. You push something off, so you don't do it, that you're responsible for doing it, and so you feel guilty about it. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, if we're going to turn this conversation around and be like, well, what, what should we do instead? What should we feel instead? Directly to tie to what you were just saying, I think what's interesting is procrastination, especially. Like, the jobs that we have or just the things that we do, we've, we've turned everything into a priority. And I think that also creates a lot of unnecessary guilt because, you know, I feel like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's like, no, you don't. What do you actually need to do? Like priorities like a, should be a, a singular word, right? It's like, what is your priority? What are you actually responsible for? And are you getting that done versus feeling you, you're responsible for every stupid fucking thing? And that's where I'm saying like 99% of the guilt that I feel or the responsibilities I feel like I have, what are my like real responsibilities when I think about it day to day? Like, all right, making sure my child is fed, <laughs> like cleaning her diapers, cleaning the bottles, because these are my roles, like cleaning the house, making sure like things are in order. Like there's few things that are actually like hyper important. And then primary to that is taking care of myself. Am I being healthy? Am I exercising? Am I meditating? Am I taking showers? <laughs> you know? I laugh about that now because back when I was like working like a maniac, I was like, forget to take showers for like three days. Because <laughs> you know, I'm not doing anything active. I'm just sitting here, not sweating. 
And then the secondary thing is like the family stuff and then tertiary is, is the work stuff. And once I like really reprioritize those things, I realized like all the guilt I used to feel about work, it was just self-constructed. It was self-constructed in such a way that I prioritized a lot of bullshit's work and didn't prioritize anything that was actually important, like things that would actually move the needle. And then I would just wallow in guilt of all the little bullshit tasks that I didn't do. And then feel guilty about, oh, I didn't do all these bullshit tasks. I can't go to the gym. I can't go swim. I can't do something. I can't do anything for myself. So you haven't finished all these little stupid things. My main point here is, we were talking about this, I think, last week or two weeks ago. Procrastination is not a bad thing. Remember, I read that quote. Procrastination is not laziness. It's a coping mechanism. This is like a common thing, I think, throughout our entire year's worth of conversation. Like, There's a lot of things that we're trained to think that like, Negative is bad. This is bad. That's bad. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be depressed. You shouldn't procrastinate. It's like, no, you should be depressed once in a while. It's, it's the highs and lows of life. You should procrastinate. Everybody does. I'm really trying to draw the line on sometimes someone might do something. For example, okay, how about this? I cut someone off driving. Totally didn't see them. I cut them off, made a mistake, and they honked the horn at me and flicked me off. I said, oh, I, I'm sorry, didn't see you. I feel guilty, I feel bad for making that mistake. I think in those cases, that's fine. But what you're saying is, just move on. Yeah, or, or just see it as what it is. It was a mistake. As a mistake. It wasn't a crime. Yeah, I didn't do it on purpose. I think what we get in trouble is I like, think, oh, we could have like gotten into an accident and all that stuff. It's like, well, I mistake. I need to be careful next time. And you said sorry. I say sorry, and I know they didn't hear it, but I feel sorry, and I move on. And so maybe a lot of guilt is also learning to be self-forgiving. Ah, I like that. Maybe it's about accepting that you made a mistake and then being able to forgive yourself as long as you take away a lesson. Maybe guilt compounds the more you don't change that behavior. Yeah. And so if you're constantly cutting people off, if I'm constantly making mistakes and almost getting into accidents, then after a while, I'll feel super guilty all the time because I'm realizing I'm a bad driver. I actually don't think those people feel guilty at all. I just don't give a fuck, clearly. Yeah, I, I know. I, was trying, I don't think so. I have a lot of problems with driving. Like driving just makes me so angry because you just realize that a lot of people don't really care. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe it's more about their priorities are just way different. Yeah. Anyways, maybe driving was a bad example. But yeah, the big thing about guilt is maybe it's learning to forgive yourself. Saying, I made a mistake. I'm going to learn from this. Well, let's move on. And that's how the guilt is somewhat released. I think if I were to differentiate that a little bit, though, I don't think that's necessarily guilt. I think to your point, it would be guilt if you do it repeatedly. And I think that's something to clarify because as I'm reading kind of the second definition of guilt, it says a feeling of shame or regret as a result of bad conduct. And how do we determine bad conduct? Like who is the judge of bad conduct? Yeah. And what is bad conduct? Like what's a crime and not? Is it perpetual? Is it like something repeated? Or is it just like, oops, I made a mistake? I think if it's like one of those, what, what you're just describing, like, oops, I made a mistake. Like I don't think that's like, bad conduct. Unless, like you said, you do it repeatedly. You always cut people off. 
then I think it's like, oh, okay, I might feel guilty about that. So that's something that I think needs to be clarified. I don't know. I think what you're talking about forgiving yourself is something that is super interesting because that's what I had to do, right? I had to forgive myself for feeling this way, having this unnecessary guilt or burden of like, oh no, like even though my parents are enjoying watching Mila, like I need to bind myself at home and like just not go do what I want to do. Take this opportunity to go do what I want to do or to take care of other errands and stuff like that. I don't know. It's definitely, there's definitely a lot of forgiveness involved. And I think kind of your example now, I'm realizing, okay, guilt definitely has its purpose, but we don't absolve that guilt enough. Like we create the guilt, but we don't resolve it or check it often enough. Yeah. It just piles up. Yeah. It just piles up. It just builds up. And before you know it, which was in my case, you feel guilty about everything. You're just living in a life of guilt. I'm not doing enough. I'm not being enough. I'm not responsible enough. I'm not taking care of myself enough. And in all facets, you're just failing. Maybe that's also a big part of our culture of doing more, wanting more, 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 more. And you can't keep up or you can't do more or you don't want to do more or don't have the space to do more. You almost feel guilty because you feel that other people are are doing way more than you when honestly, you might be doing enough. and That might be okay. I'm having this conversation with you because I'm just trying to think of like, what is another way to frame it? Like I push myself to practice golf, but at no point do I feel guilty about it. Like, oh, I didn't go practice today. I'm sure some people do. I'm sure a professional does. I'm just like, oh man, I didn't practice enough today. I feel guilty about it. And it's kind of like the same scenario, but why two different emotions? And basically, how do we turn guilt to really benefit us instead of like tie us down? That's something I, I still need to explore. Maybe that's something we can think about and try to discuss next week. Yeah. There's got to be a healthier way to go about it. Yeah, that's been the biggest struggle of my week is just better understanding the guilt that I feel as a parent, as an individual, and being okay with it, forgiving myself. Oh, I guess I have another example that pops into mind. A lot of times, like, I feel guilty for buying something nice. Did you buy another putter? No, I didn't buy another putter. Okay, because I'm going to make you feel guilty about that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the interesting thing, right? Like when I did buy that first putter, or the first two even, like I felt guilty. I was like, why do, why do I feel guilty? I actually checked myself really quick on that. And I was like, do I feel guilty because I bought this and like, you know, my buddy didn't? Maybe you feel guilty because you're a beginner and most beginners don't buy those types of clubs. No, that's not it. For me personally, and that, this is actually interesting. There's like, I guess there's different triggers for guilt, right? And for me, the guilt was more like, am I like being too... Um, like you're almost committing too much time to it. Is it back to the whole parenting and responsibility thing? No, it's not that either. That's actually a different facet. That's so interesting that you're like exploring <laughs> different facets of potential guilt. For me, it was more so like, am I like rubbing it in somebody else's face? Oh, because someone else might not have that kind of equipment? Like that they might want it, but they can't justify buying it. It's not that they can't afford to buy it. They can't justify buying it. But then like how I absolved that guilt without naming names was that I was like, well, he spends like thousands of dollars on other stuff that I don't spend thousands of dollars on, like thousands of dollars on a mountain bike, thousands of dollars on like audio equipment. And it was like, I don't do that because I don't, I don't watch movies. He really enjoys home theater and watching movies at home. So 
And because he spent his money there, like he can't spend his money here. And that's, that's it. But that was like an interesting guilt that I like, I felt. It's like, am I like rubbing it in his face by trying to buy something that he wanted to buy, but he can't buy right now? How do you even know that he wanted to buy it? Oh, because he told me. Oh. He was like, oh, I really wanted that putter. Oh. He didn't say it after I bought it. He was like, oh, I really wanted that putter last year, you know? And then after I, I wasn't intentionally hunting for it, but once I saw it, it was available and I was like, oh, I'm going to get it. I want it. <laughs> it's like, it's a nice looking putter. I want it because I want it, not because, you know, he wanted it. But after I got it, I couldn't help feel guilty. For having something that someone else wanted. Yeah. And again, I absolved that really quickly. I was like, you know, let him think whatever he wants. He probably is not even thinking anything. He doesn't give a fuck. I don't need to like create this guilt for myself. Yeah. Because he probably is thinking that's awesome. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, he did make a statement before. And I think that probably did drive some of this guilt. He's like, you know, don't be that guy, that beginner that like has like a thousand dollar putter. And in my head, I was like, you know, when he said, made that statement, like he's being nice. He's being like, being considered and being nice, right? Because it did cross my mind on Friday when I played golf with this like group of people, these like people around our age. And I was randomly matched up with these two like younger Korean guys, like 35 and this older gen. Like the older gen was, I didn't give a fuck what he thought. But I'm sure the younger guys were like, this guy sucks. And he has this like thousand dollar putter. I'm not saying they thought that, but they could have thought that. Hmm. And it crossed my mind because what our friend said to me about don't be that guy that like, sucks and then has like really nice equipment. And I remember my immediate reaction to what he said. I was like, I don't care what people think. <laughs> like, I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know? I was like, why would I care what somebody else that I don't know thinks? And that day, like, I still didn't care. It crossed my mind that, oh, like that was an interesting thing because he said it. Should I care? Right? I was like, I don't care. You know, that's really interesting because that all ties back to the beginning quote. That is a totally socially constructed thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to the two other guilts that you were, you immediately thought up that you thought I might feel. That's also socially constructed. Right? One of them being like, oh, like, did I overcommit to this thing? And some people might think that. I've seen people do that. Buy a ton of shit and they just like drop that thing in like a week or like a month. Right? They just stop doing it. I've done that. I've tried to do that. Remember when I was trying to buy a mic? For this, I was like, hey, should I buy a better mic? And you're like, no. In a year, if we still do this, then maybe, maybe we can consider it. It's like, oh, that makes sense. But see, that's what's interesting about all this is that I never felt the need to ask anybody, should I do that? Should I invest in clubs? If I did, then I don't think I would have bought what I bought. No, because everyone told you not to buy it. They'd say, buy a beginner set. Right. Internally, I was just like, I really want to commit to this. Like, I really enjoy this thing. Versus like cycling. Like, I didn't commit that much into it because I just bought like a secondhand or thirdhand bike, actually. Like 900 bucks for road bike. And I upgraded like, you know, $400 worth of equipment. But I didn't go like the four, five thousand, ten thousand $10,000 route. That would be like all fucking in. Because I was just like, I just want to ride. I enjoy riding. I'm not going to like go ham on it. I never did. But golfing, I want to go ham on it. Like, I fucking love golf. Like, I proudly say that. Like, I fucking love golf. I'm watching the 2019 Masters, and I'm just like, I fucking love golf. It's good, man. That's really good. And that's why it's like, I'm willing to commit. Like, I don't need anybody's permission to commit to this thing. 
Like I want to commit. And so sure, I, I might be doing things that like push me to commit even more, but I'm not buying a $10,000 putter. I'm not going that, that deep, but you know, I'm committing at my level. Wait, hang on. There's a $10,000 putter. Oh, there's Tiger's like 2001 putter, I think for one of the masters. Sold for like, at that time, it was like the most expensive putter. It was like $300,000. 300,000? Supposedly his 97 master's putter, his first master's putter, I think auctioned for a million dollars. Oh, like ones that he used. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ones that he used, yeah. Okay, okay. No one's going to buy a putter like that and use it for themselves. No, no, that's just for collective. But but there are like a lot of putters from 97, like in mint condition, similar to the one he used, like one of 500 release are selling for 10, 15, $20,000. He didn't use it. It's just one of the putters of that year. Aside from that, just even normal ass putters, some of the putters that I'm collecting, like brand new. I mean, I bought them used, obviously, but brand new, like they're being sold for like two, three grand, which is unreal. And I couldn't justify myself buying a putter like that. Yeah. That's why I bought it in mint condition. Mm. That's why I still use my putter that I bought in 2001 for $60. Actually, my entire set together was $60. All the irons he gave me plus the putter. Yeah. You're going to have a Scotty Cameron someday. Maybe. Maybe in like a few decades. But I just don't think that my game will improve that much with a Scotty Cameron. It may or may not. And that's perspective, right? For me, like our friend, he didn't chastise me for this, but he was just like, why do you use Pro V1s? Why do you use $5 fucking golf balls that I might lose? So what I think about you is you love this game so much. You're also a person that you're the one that told me go hard <laughs> to really find out if you like it. We talked about this several months ago. Go hard to find out if you really like it. And I guess in the first few rounds that you played, you realized that you really like this game. So you are going all in. So what you're thinking about using a Pro V1 ball, $5 a ball, freaking expensive, is that you are playing as if you're at the level that you want to be. So when I think about you buying a Scotty, having a lot of clubs, or having really nice clubs very early on is that you're just fully committed and you believe that you can get to a place where you will be using these clubs. Sorry, guys, for anyone who doesn't like golf and are still listening. <laughs> if, we, if you're still here, thank you so much. But as a beginner, there are two types of clubs that most people, they look into. The blades for irons, they're either blades or cavity-backed. Cavity-backed, irons are actually easier to hit off of. But if you're saying that you're going to be just as good or you're going to be really committed and get to a level where you're going to need blades to improve your game, you might as well buy blades or buy kind of a set that you can grow into. And some people don't believe in that and some people do. And you just happen to be the person that thinks that way. And so you're all in. That's exactly that encompasses exactly how I resolved this guilt all around from so many facets. Because one, when he made that comment, I was like, I want to play this ball because I don't want to fucking lose it, right? If I play like a dollar Kirkland ball, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to, ah, wherever it goes, right? God willing, you know? Yeah. But like, it just makes me, in my opinion, 10 times more focused. Like, I don't want to lose this ball. That's one thing. And, and then like, in terms of the putting, I was like, 
I want to try what the pros are trying. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they use it. It must be that it just plays differently. Yeah. Well, aside from like sponsorships, you know, but it's like, if, you know, Tiger's been playing with the Newport 2 for like almost two decades. I want to know why. And I was like, am I Tiger? No, I'm not Tiger. But do I aspire to like get good? Yeah. But what you just talked about to resolve like a huge guilt around my commitments. And I think that's something I realized. I was like, well, I shouldn't feel guilty because somebody else is not as committed as I am. Yeah. And I, I had to go through different levels of this. And it's like, oh, is, is he not as committed because of financial reasons? Is he not as committed because of time reasons? And some people in those scenarios, like you do feel guilty because someone does have less than you or is less privileged than you, I should say. Golfing is expensive or they may not have the time because you know I'm, I'm paternity leave and they're working. But then I really thought to myself, I was like, no, this person has the time and the resources to do just this. Now, maybe not go golfing three times a week, but you know, at least once a week. But instead, they choose to do something else. They choose to spend and invest their time somewhere else. Yeah, it's just a different priority. Right, and that's totally okay. Yeah, some people just choose it. I don't need to construct the story. Yeah. And that's why I realized it has nothing to do with the fact they don't have money. It's nothing to do with the fact they don't have time. It's like they have all the time and money in the world if they chose to like focus on this. And they, they do. And it's nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. <laughs> exactly. It's just their opinion. Probably because so many people go through this and then just end up selling their stuff. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying though. Because of all this like external noise because of someone else's feelings, we like create a lot of unnecessary guilt for ourselves. And boy, did I feel guilty. And then I just said, fuck it. Maybe it wasn't even to make you feel guilty. It was just- No, 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 absolutely not. I know it's not their intention. Yeah. It was just like a warning almost. Be like, just be careful. Yeah. But they're also going through their own internal turmoil and and decision-making and like, right? It's like, do I commit to this? This guy's committing to it. Should I commit to it? I've been playing for 10 years. Maybe I should commit more to this. Nah, you know, I, I enjoy this more because this other sport, I have a bunch of buddies and friends that I do this with. And it's like, I committed X amount of money to buying like a really nice bike. And maybe, you know what? I should commit to this because I that's actually I enjoy this more. And that's probably their internal turmoil and making the decision. Or they just don't like it as much. Or that. Any of these stories that we can make up. But what's crazy is like the story I tell myself and the guilt that I create for myself. And now I'm just create, I carry. I choose to carry all the guilt that I choose to carry that nobody fucking created but me. Just because someone made a comment about something, I now live with this guilt. And that was my biggest decision this week was was like, stop, stop feeling guilty. Even when I like message him about it, I felt guilty. I was like, should I not? stop texting him about golf? I was like, no, <laughs> well, I shouldn't. Because if I'm going to feel guilty and feel like I'm rubbing his face, which I'm not, like I'm just trying to like be like, hey, this is what's going on. <laughs> you know, like I had a good day, had a bad day. And why do I need to create stories about like how he might feel or react? I just stop. And then the other thing I stopped doing was I was like, because I was creating all this guilt, like, like I said about around my parents, not, not just even around my, my buddy, but around my parents as well. I was like, man, I'm like, I golf three times this week. There's a million more ways I could feel more guilty about it. Oh, I, I could have done work, <laughs> right? On the two different businesses that I have or like the project that my buddy wants me to engage him on. But no, I'm just not going to feel guilty about any of this stuff. Just do what I want to do 
that makes me happy in this time period that allows me to do this. I don't have this kind of flexibility forever, but for the time being, I do, and I should really enjoy myself. Just take advantage of it while you can. Yeah. Anyway, it's been an interesting week. And to end it off, I feel less guilty, and I'm glad I made the decisions I did and decide not to live with all this guilt. Nice. All right. Let's wrap it up here. So I think it's a good way to end. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Talked a lot about guilt, golf, family, and how it all kind of wraps up and why guiltiness, it could be a very socially constructed thing. Yeah. Have a great week.